0: welcome welcome to another episode of the bastards of boston baseball shout out to any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time we're happy to have you on board for those of you who have been here from the start you already know the drill we live and die by this team just like the rest of you and we make no apologies for that so welcome into this bastards roundtable episode we're talking some league topics talking some mookie bets i am your host jason kelly you want to find us on Twitter. You can find the podcast account at bastards_boston. underscore Boston. Joining me on the roundtable tonight, coming to you from Reading, Pennsylvania, is Micah Storms. Micah, how are you?
1: I'm doing pretty well, Jason. Today was the first day of school. Um, we're, we're, we are recording this on Thursday, so the first day of school for a teacher it's a ton of talking because you're just going over rules, procedures. I do so much talking that I typically come home and I don't want to talk at all. Um, So the fact that I'm doing a podcast um, is kind of ironic because that's what I'm doing. I'm talking, but um, it was a solid first day with my third grade friends and uh, I'm a little tired though. So tomorrow morning, definitely going to be a coffee morning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're probably going to need it with, uh, the start of school coming back up—that's a big one. Yeah, a lot of a lot more early mornings in your future. So, good luck with that. Um, also, joining us on the roundtable tonight from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Windham, Maine, Terry Cushman. Terry, how are you?
2: Splendid as always. Uh, getting ready to talk about a uh, few hot topics in the news lately. Mookie Batch, Shohei Otani, so. I got some takes.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely do, too. Um, Yeah, as you mentioned, Mookie Betts in the news this week. Obviously, the Dodgers are coming to Fenway this weekend for a three-game set, which means the return of some old friends, Mookie Betts included, but Kike Hernandez as well, Brian Brazier as well. Um, Not J.D. Martinez, at least not in uniform, because he very conveniently came down with a groin injury, which I'm sure is totally legitimate. Um, with Boston on the horizon. But yeah, some old friends coming back into town and Mookie Betts being the most prominent of them, of course, uh, having a terrific year out there with the Dodgers. And obviously with Mookie Betts coming back in town, the Boston Globe wasted no time. They pounced on him right away for an interview, which he was all too happy to give once again, just rehashing the trade, the contract negotiations that led to the trade um, and Mookie Pretty much coming right out and saying that the Red Sox never offered him a deal worth $300 million, which has been the sticking point for Red Sox fans for years, because in years past, Mookie has said other things that sort of contradict what he said this week. But that was the big headline is that Mookie Betts did an interview with the Globe and said, nope, the Red Sox never offered me that 10 year, $300 million contract that they claim they did. Um, so obviously that sent shockwaves through Red Sox nation, a lot of people up in arms about it. So Micah, I'll lead off with you. Um, how do you feel about the interview he gave today and just all the things he said in the past since leaving and kind of how it all comes together?
1: I find it strange that he decided to, to make that statement because with the internet these days it's not too hard to try to find what was actually said in the past. And if you Google Mookie Betts turns down Red Sox offer of 10 million or 10 years, 300 million. The first article that comes up is an article on CBS sports. It was written on July 7th, 2020. And the author of the article references the idea of a, that he rejected What was a reported ten-year, three hundred million dollar deal? And here is the exact quote: "I don't regret turning down that." Bet said, "Once I make a decision, I make a decision. I'm not going back and questioning myself. I don't worry about that. The market will be what the market is. We'll just cross that bridge when we get there. But for right now, it's just the safety and health that I'm worried about." Okay, so he said, "I don't regret turning down that," and I would imagine. Okay, I can't say for certain, but I would imagine um, it was ESPN's Aiden G- Alden Gonzalez that did the um, the interview. But I would imagine the person asking the questions, Alden Gonzalez, said, "You know, do you regret turning down a 10, 10 year three hundred million dollar three three hundred hundred million dollar deal?" Um, which then he responded, "I don't regret turning down." that. So he never says in direct quote, he turned down 10 and 300. But I think you just have to kind of inference a little bit there to kind of to say, yeah, he probably did. Um, but it was pretty well known that the Red Sox offered him a $200 million deal um, back in 2017. And then they upped it to 300 million. And then it was pretty, pretty obvious that Betts was seeking a $400 million deal. And Typically, with things like this, I I often do side with the players. But when you make a quote like that um, three years ago, right when you left, before you signed the deal with the Dodgers, I just it, it makes you wonder why all of a sudden he's he's coming out and saying, "Yeah, that was never done." Um, because I could totally see John Henry kind of not wanting that to come out, but at the same time, if you're referencing that yeah, I turned that deal down. How can you say three years later that you didn't receive that offer? It just is really, really weird. I don't know if he feels he's going to face some hateful Red Sox fans or, you know, I I don't know. I don't think he's going to get booed this week. And I think he's going to, he should get cheered. He should be... You know, he won an MVP, won a title. I think Red Sox fans should be thankful that he was a part of the Boston Red Sox. I, I, there's no reason to boo him. I, if he doesn't want to be in Boston, fine. Um, I, I don't think he ever really did. And that's fine. And I I, I don't hold a grudge against him. But I, I do. I am bothered by the fact that he now is almost going back on his word from three years ago and saying, no, 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 no. I, they never... They never offered me that. That just to me, it, it's either one or the other. And if you set it back in 2020, to me, I don't see how your answer changes now three years later because you're not going to say, well, they undid the offer. <laughs> no, they didn't. I, I, I believe based on the fact that Mookie said it in 2020, I believe that offer was, it, it, maybe it wasn't exactly 300, but I'm sure it was pretty darn close. Um I just don't think it was the 400 million that he was looking for and he got that with the Dodgers and great. I I would never have wanted the Red Sox to offer him 400 plus million dollars. I just don't like deals like that. Um but he got his money and he's thriving in LA. He's well on his way to a Hall of Fame career. But I find it interesting that he decided to have that interview 2 days before he returns to Fenway Park.
0: Terry, your thoughts on Beth's comments?
2: So let me just read a couple of snippets from the Pete Abraham article, and I hate that we're giving Pete Abe any glory. He is basically our least favorite uh, beat writer on here, but he did get the interview and ask the tough questions. So we're gonna we're gonna roll with it. Um, the article uh, there. There's a line that this isn't a quote. It's just you know Pete Abe's writing. Um, he it says. Until the day he was traded, Bets expected he would play his entire career with the Sox. As he approached free agency in 2020, his intent was to make a deal and stay in Boston. And uh, here's a quote from Mookie. He says, "Most people don't believe it." But why would I lie about that? I did want to stay, says Mookie. And he goes on to say, that was my team. Just because I didn't take an offer didn't mean I didn't want to be there. There's a business component to the game. We were looking for houses in Boston. We thought it was going to work out. I thought both sides were playing the slow game and it would eventually work out. We were negotiating that's what i thought so let's focus on this last part here that very last line we were negotiating that's what i thought this is where i'm calling bs on mookie bets because the consistent line that came out of his mouth time after time was i'd rather wait for free agency and see what my market looks like that's essentially what he said Time and time again, every year, they started trying to extend him after the 2016 season when he was runner-up to Mike Trout for MVP. I think Mookie should have won it that year, you know. Mike Trout was playing for a team that had no prayer to get into the postseason. Mookie Betts played a massive part that season to get the Red Sox into the postseason, and they hadn't made it the two years prior. So, you know, Mookie got a man. I thought Mookie kind of got snubbed there. The Red Sox definitely offered him uh, the same exact deal that the the Indians at the time offered Francisco Lindor, which was five years, hundred million, so twenty million per. And I know that sounds bad, but he had only played half of twenty fourteen, and then all of twenty fifteen. So Mookie's still pre-arb at that point. So even though that's low, it's you know it was an offer they threw it out there. Where the Red Sox screwed up was after 2016. They should have offered him a deal in in probably the low to mid two hundreds. Like they probably would have had the leverage to get that done. Maybe Mookie takes it. May, maybe he doesn't. They could have. They should have offered him the the three hundred million over ten years going into 2018. They didn't do it, but. There's, there's no dispute that the Red Sox put their best foot forward one final time uh, before the 2019 season started when supposedly he was offered 300 or north of 300. And I think, I, I, I think that he probably was offered that. I mean, that's what the reports were. And like Micah said, based on the report that he quoted, Mookie didn't deny that. He did not deny that. So I don't think Mookie Betts wanted any part of of playing in Boston either. When Mookie won his MVP, Mookie is a big, he puts a lot of thought into his uh, wardrobe. Let's put it that way. Like he was wearing a fedora, this fancy suit when he accepted the MVP award. You. Um, uh, Christian Yelich was was in that shot because he was the the NL MVP. He he puts a lot of thought into his wardrobe, and it's it screams Los Angeles. Like that was a market he probably coveted, and he's a big NBA fan, as you know. As he's talked with Rob Bradford, and he can be seen at NBA games. Los Angeles is the Mecca for, for all things NBA. You know, the Lakers have had, so, you know, all the best players. You know, they had Kobe all those years. They had Shaq for a while. They've got LeBron right now. Uh, the Anthony, was it Anthony Davis just signed that massive deal? Yeah, so, so, I mean, it wasn't a shock to me when Mookie took a deal, like, what, three weeks after he arrived in L.A.? <laughs> Suddenly he wasn't wanting to test free agency anymore. It's just crazy, and I, I don't I don't believe Mookie Betts. And like Micah, I I, I agree with him. He wasn't worth three hundred to me. He wasn't worth three sixty five to me. You know, if he was, if he signed the three hundred million dollar deal in his age twenty six season, and it was worth, it was for ten years, I probably could have lived with that you know, because players can still be productive in their age 34, age 35, sometimes even age 36 seasons. I probably would have been fine with it. But once he's 28 years old asking for 10 to 12 years, I'm out. And I'm glad we didn't sign that contract. He was a complete no-show in the postseason every time. His The first run he drove in was the final game of the 2018 World Series, and we were already ahead. It was a low-pressure situation. Mookie Betts could not handle the moment in Boston, and he, he was great on a Wednesday night in June against the Orioles. <laughs> Crushed it in, in those type of games, but um, there's, not, there's not one signature postseason moment that Red Sox fans talk about today That happened in the month of October that Mookie Betts was a part of we we won that World Series you know on the heroics of you know guys like JD Martinez Steve Pierce as much as I can't stand the guy David Price Um, you know we had some pretty good pitching throughout Mookie Betts did not play a role in uh, in the actual World Series itself Or any round leading up to it, so I don't believe one. I don't believe Mookie, and um, you know, I'm I'm glad he's with the Dodgers.
0: Mookie Betts is starting to remind me a lot of Alex Rodriguez. Um, Can't perform in the postseason. You know, tremendous regular season player, and talks out of both sides of his mouth. I mean, this guy is blatantly lying. He's just blatantly lying. It's because he doesn't want to be the bad guy. And the easiest thing to do is to point the finger at ownership. Oh, no, it wasn't me. John Henry was just cheap. He didn't offer me the the deal that I wanted. Well, we know that's not true. He offered you a pretty good deal. You just took a different deal from the Dodgers because you didn't want to be in Boston. And look at him now in L.A. Like you, you mentioned it. He's courtside at Lakers games. He's all over commercials there. He's like front and center face of the franchise for the Dodgers. He never was like that in Boston because he didn't like it here. And he probably didn't feel comfortable here, which is fine. Boston's a hard market to, to crack it in. I get it. But he wasn't comfortable being that guy over here. But now all of a sudden he goes to LA. Now he's, you know, Mr. Hollywood and he's in commercials and all this. So I just think everything just points to he never wanted to stay in Boston. And I don't understand why he insists on continuing to harp on. No, no, I wanted to finish my career as a Boston Red Sox. No, you didn't. You clearly didn't. Because if you did, you would have signed the deal they offered you. Like that—that's just the truth of the matter. So, I, you know, it's—he's talking out of both sides. He's contradicting himself. He's just coming out to be more and more of just a liar every single time he talks. And frankly, it's just—it's getting old at this point. Like. We were talking off air before we came on here, like, Micah, you sort of asked the question, does he think he's going to get booed by Red Sox fans? Of course not, because Red Sox fans around here are still weirdly obsessed with Mookie Betts, even though he's been gone for four years. He's going to get a rousing standing ovation at Fenway. We're not going to be able to see it because it's going to be on Apple TV Plus, but he will. He'll get a standing ovation at Fenway. And I don't think he deserves it. Yeah, he won an MVP here. Yeah, he won a World Series with him. But he didn't want to be here. And the first chance he got to just shut down negotiations and kind of force his way out, he took it. And they had to trade him. And then he gets to L.A., steps off the plane, essentially, and signs a contract. It just it, everything points to he never wanted to be here. And the more he talks, the more just like a hypocrite and just contradictory he looks because it none of it's adding up now. You know, for years, all we heard was, oh, yeah, you know, I, I don't regret turning down the offer they gave me and all this. Now all of a sudden he's saying, well, they never gave me that offer. That that never happened. Come on, Mookie. It it did. It happened. You just don't want to be the bad guy in this situation. So it's just, I don't know. The, the Mookie Betts whole saga is getting so old. And I just wish, first of all, I wish the Globe would stop, like, obsessing over him, too. He's in L.A. now. OK, you don't have to cover Mookie Betts. He's in L.A. I know he's coming back this weekend, but like the whole. Oh, we got to have a sit down interview with Mookie Betts. Do we really do, do we really need to talk to him anymore? I don't need to talk to him. I don't need to hear what he has to say. I'm good. I've moved on. He's, he doesn't play for my team anymore. I don't care. I really don't. So it, it's just the whole thing's gotten old. And I think that he just comes off as a massive liar through this whole thing.
1: Bet signed a twelve year three hundred and sixty five million dollar deal. And if the Red Sox offer was truly ten and three hundred, I just have a hard time believing that there couldn't have been a middle ground there. you know, what like could they not have offered him eleven and three twenty five or three thirty? like I, I, obviously, baseball over the last four years, there's been some massive deals handed out. but, I just, if he really wanted to be in Boston, I think there would have been a compromise. They were only, reportedly, reportedly, if it was three hundred million the Red Sox offered, that's only a sixty-five million dollar gap, and the Dodgers gave him two extra years. I think the Red Sox really could have gave him ten years, three hundred and twenty million, and it, like I, I just think there could have been middle ground if he truly, truly wanted to be here. And honestly, if you if you want to be here and build a winning team, do you have to be paid the absolute highest price in baseball? Because boy, that's worked out great for Mike Trout. Highest paid player in the sport, in the history of the sport. What does it want? What does he want? And taking no
0: t- yeah, and <laughs> taking team friendly deals is not unprecedented. He's not now this guy's not on the caliber of Mookie Best, but Jose Ramirez did it in Cleveland. He could have gone to free agency and he could have made a little bit more than he, but he took the seven over 141 with Cleveland. This guy is one of the best switch hitting third basemen in the game, but he wants to, he actually wants to finish his career in Cleveland and wants to bring a championship to that city. So he took a little bit of a hometown discount to stay there. He could have tested the market. He probably would have gotten north of 200 million if he did, but he didn't do it because unlike Mookie Betts, he's not a liar. He said, "Yeah, I want to finish my career in Cleveland. I want to help this team win." So he signed a team-friendly deal to help it happen. Buki didn't and, do that.
1: And, and three hundred million. I don't care who the player is. No one can ever describe that as a team-friendly deal. Three hundred million is an insane commitment for any organization to make. And we, you know, we just are seeing it now. We're going to talk about Otani, but the risk factor in all these players for long years. I mean, we saw it with Albert Pujols. That was, there was so much risk there. And how much wasted money did the angels give Albert Pujols? Because he was a negative win player for the last four years of his deal in LA. And it's like the history of long deals for position players is not great. And if you're going to throw out $300 million, even if you might be worth 400 million, because if you're going to look at value, true value, some guys realistically probably could be worth that much. But for a team to actually be willing to commit that and take the risk, $300 million is that's a very, very fair offer. And like I said, if he's willing to go to 320 330 what does $30 million mean? Because if you're living in California, $365 million with all the taxes you pay. I mean, I know Boston's pretty comparable, but it it just, you're, you're, you're complaining over very limited money when you really, when it really comes down to it. And I just, to me that, that shows that he really didn't want to be in Boston.
2: Here's the other thing. and, And some people might not read into this. I think it's somewhat significant. He has a ton Of deferred money. And so what I mean is his contract takes him through, let's see, 2020 was the first year of it. So his contract must take him through 2032. And that is what it is actually. Starting in 2033, he's got let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve more years of deferred money. So the Dodgers won't be done paying that contract until 2044. That's insane. I'll be 2044, I'll be 61 years old that year. That's insane. I'm 40 now um so 2033 he gets 8 million 8 million and 34 8 million in 2035 and then it escalates a couple million starting in 2038 and then the last five years of it he gets paid 11 million so all of that money is deferred that's 115 million dollars deferred okay now, let's just go to year one of the contract. His first year on this contract was 2021, actually. Um, so he got paid $14.5 million in 2021. Aaron Judge and Mike Trout are getting paid close to 40 okay? And this is all because of the deferred money because they took a massive chunk of it and they pushed it back. Uh, it's in 2022, also $14.5 million. This year he's getting 17 million dollars. So the the reason why this is all crazy to me is if he didn't care, if he didn't care how much he got paid annually, why why wouldn't he take a deal with the Red Sox? Why wouldn't he just take the 30 million a year he was supposedly offered? It's that's what's insane to me. Now he's getting all of his money. It's just take it's gonna take twenty-three years for him to fully collect that three hundred and sixty-five million dollars. Literally 23 years. That's what all that's paid out over. That's insane to me. One one last thing for me. You, you go back and forth on this. This person reported that, this person reported this, Mookie Bet said that. The one guy who could clear this all up, and I'm sure he would be very willing to do it if you sent him an email or if you called him, and I'm sure somebody's got his number, call Dave Dombrowski. Be like, what was it? He he doesn't care about the Red Sox ownership. He's still mad that they fired him. So, And why would – he's the most transparent executive the Red Sox have ever had. I, I never – I never thought Dave Dombrowski was lying to me about anything, underplaying anything. He was always straightforward. We need to do this. This is what our plan is. This is what our goal is. We're going to get a player of this position. We're getting a starting pitcher here. We need a reliever. Uh, there, was never, there was never a reason to question Dave Dombrowski's integrity. So go to Dave Dombrowski, get the details, and that's the gospel as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that's what I'm gonna believe uh, at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, we need Dombrowski to pull a Francona and like write his own book and just kind of let out all the dirty laundry about you know his time in Boston and that whole negotiation process, the whole the firing, all of that. Because yeah, I agree. I think that he would tell it to you straight. You know, he he would put it in that or in an interview, He'd be like, "Oh yeah, no, we offered him like 11 over 320, and it just wasn't happening." So that there you go. Boom. Like that's, that's who the Pete Abrahams and the Dan Shaughnessy should be asking for interviews from not Mookie Betts. Cause you're not going to get it straight from Mookie Betts. He's going to twist it in his favor every single time. But I agree. I think someone like Dombrowski. Yeah. He'd probably give it to you straight. And it'd be very interesting to learn like what exactly, what was the final offer from the Red Sox before negotiations were cut off? Cause I'd be very curious to see what those numbers were. So we'll see if that day ever comes. I don't know if it will, but yeah, once again, just more frustrating stuff surrounding Mookie Betts. And I uh, personally, I'm not looking forward to this weekend because I can't stand the Red Sox fans still pining over him, but oh, well, we'll have to deal with it for just a couple of days, but it could be a lot worse. And it is a lot worse on the other side of Los Angeles. Um, The LA Angels continue to be just the most cursed organization in baseball. Maybe rightfully so. They might deserve it. But um, small thing is that Mike Trout just came back from the IL, immediately goes right back on, um, gets hurt again. Along with that, it's revealed that Shohei Otani has a tear in his UCL. So he will no longer pitch this year. Tommy John's surgery is on the table. It's said that right now he is undecided as to whether or not he's going to have surgery or what the plan of action is there. He's still playing as a hitter. Um, he's still healthy enough to do that. But pitching is out of the question in the, for the foreseeable future. And obviously, this has huge impacts on his free agency because this was a guy who it was being rumored 500 million is like the start for a contract for Shohei Otani this off like the numbers that have been rumored were getting ridiculous and it was going to be uh, a frenzy in free agency. Now it looks a little different because now you've got a guy who has a tear in his elbow and can't pitch might need surgery, might not have surgery. might just be a hitter. There's a lot of different ways this can go. Um, Micah, I'll start with you, especially if you're the Red Sox, right? Like, do you still go after this guy? Do you still try to throw the bag at him? Or are you sort of backing off now with another elbow injury for him?
1: I would just like to say I appreciate Otani's desire to play the game of baseball because I don't know if many players would be trying to stay on the field for a team that is really, really has no shot of of making the playoffs And I mean, after he found out that he had Tommy John surgery, he wanted to play game two of the doubleheader and like, that's just mind blowing. So, um, do I want the Red Sox to get him? I would be a hundred percent on board for the Red Sox to acquire him if he only was a position player. I am completely out on the fact of him being a two-way player because he had Tommy John surgery in 2018. And so he is going to need Tommy John surgery if he wants to pitch and he would miss the entire 2024 season. And the success rate of a player returning from Tommy John surgery, Tommy, Tommy John surgery, number two, um, The risk is almost double. I think it's like almost 90% of pitchers survive the first Tommy John surgery. And then the risk goes up by over double. Um, And that's just not a risk I'd be willing to take if the money would actually be 450, 500 million. I I can't see him getting 600 million or a number like that now that he has this injury. I just don't think any organization would go that high. Um, But if you told me Shohei Otani is going to be your right fielder or left fielder um, for the next 12 years and you gave him 350 or 380 million, whatever it would be, I think I would 100% be on board with that because I actually think. And I can't believe he's been able to be as durable as he has been over the last couple of years being a two-way player. But I think he ages so much better if he just is a position player playing the outfield and focusing on his hitting. I would be on board for a massive deal for him to be a position player. But I don't want to wait... um, I mean, if he gets the surgery at the end of the season, he's going to miss the entire 2024 season. And who knows the the innings restrictions on 2025. I just don't want to deal with all that. And there's no guarantee that he's going to be the same pitcher that he was prior to the injury. So I just think there's way too much risk for him being a pitcher. Um, you some would say yeah it's worth it and it might be but at what cost you know what would be the actual price because he's definitely a 300 plus million dollar player just on his bat alone and his athleticism and his fielding like i don't care if he doesn't play the outfield enough he's a good enough athlete to figure it out and and to be a really good defender so the bat alone plays but the pitching if the number would be 500 plus million i'm out now with the arm If the Red Sox offered him 350 and said, we still want to make you a pitcher. If it means they get the bat, I guess I would be interested, Um, but not a massive deal expecting a two-way player. I'm out on that.
0: Terry, what do you think?
2: Like Micah said, you know, he had the Tommy John in 2018, didn't pitch at all in 2019. Pitched just maybe a, literally a handful of innings, less than 10 in 2020. And then, so 2021 was his first full year back. And it's taken him only two and a half years to blow out that elbow. So for him to be a pitcher, he's going to miss all of 2024 he would be able to pitch in 2025, but probably with innings limits, probably takes him out of postseason play unless he's very uniquely managed. And then in 2026, I mean, that would be the next two and a half years. I mean, he'd be on pace to blow it out again that year, uh, barring a, a radical change in his mechanics. And that's easier said than done when it comes to pitchers. So, Um, I'm out on Shohei Otani and I'm probably the most anti three or $400 million contract guy on this crew. Um, I was okay with it with Devers because it, it only takes him through his age 36 season. Unlike Bogart's age 41, uh, Mookie Betts age 40. So I was good with it with Devers. I'm good with it. If you get it done early, if you're signing these guys in their mid twenties, okay, I'm all for it because they haven't even hit their prime yet. Uh, In Shohei's case, he's what? Almost. How old is Shohei? He's 29. He's 29. So next year's his age 30 season. So I just, I don't see the value. And Look at it this way. Mike Trout looked like if you're going to give a guy a massive deal, Mike Trout was the guy to do it. He can't even stay on the field. Lucky or unlucky, uh, he can't stay on the field. Mike Trout is owed $37 million a year for the next seven years beyond this. That's $259 million. That is insane. Like That's like the ultimate. That's why I won't do this. That's why I want no part of these massive deals. And then you look at Otani could be one of the greatest players of all time uh, based on he's got almost a 10 war for crying out loud this year. Who's your number two? It has to be Trout, doesn't it? (laughs) I mean, of this of this era, I mean, who's the greatest of the last ten, fifteen years? It has to be Trout. And the Angels had both of those guys; they had them both. And where did they? Where did they go? It just—it's just the dumbest thing ever, you know. The Red Sox have Devers, and I think he's a great guy to build around. And you, you're going to have Casas for a long time. Uh, You're going to have Meyer up for a long time. And we've had some smart mid-level guys, like the Justin Turner deal. That's great. Have one or two of those on your team. Sign a a couple of solid, just, you know, sign. I don't want to, Justin Turner's not a mid-level player, but. Signed some relatively short-term deals. I know the Kyle Schwarber deal doesn't look great. I probably would have signed that a year or two ago for the five years that it would have been. I've never seen a five-year deal other than obviously Pablo Sandoval where I'm like, oh, my God, that's disgusting. That's unsustainable. Five-year deals are generally very sustainable. And those are the players I want to target. I'm all, I'm a lot more open-minded when it comes to starting pitching. Um, You know, I, I certainly would have given John Lester, you, you know, he, he wouldn't command a $200 million deal, but whatever the top of the market was for him, I would have paid that. I absolutely would have paid that. Um, I'm drawing blanks right now, but there, there are guys that I would certainly give, you know, at least $200 million to I absolutely would. Uh, when it comes to pitching, I believe in paying for pitching, but not so much for bats. And the interesting thing here with Otani is who has the leverage now? I, who has it? I, I don't know. And everybody, everybody had him signing with the Dodgers. And they wanted a top flight pitcher and they're not going to get it if they were planning on that to be Otani. They're not going to get it. They'd be better off signing Walker Bueller, who, by the way, is going to be pitching in this year's postseason. He's almost back. Um, But I just the fact that his market's going to take a hit. Uh, He's not getting 500 million at this point. That dream is dead. Maybe Soto gets it. I doubt it. But so at this point, he's not going to have the luxury of picking his team necessarily. If the Miami Marlins throw the bag at him, they won't. But if if it's a dark horse team on the East Coast that ends up being the highest bidder, he might have to take that deal. So we'll see. Brian Cashman is going to be the most desperate GM in, in Major League Baseball this winter if he keeps his job. Just throw that out there.
0: Yeah, it feels weird to say, um, but I might be out on Otani for the Red Sox as well. And it's it just that injury just changes everything because his whole like the whole thing was the, the dual threat, right? The The two way player. Now, signing him as just a hitter, I don't hate that either. The problem is he's still going to command one of these 12-, 13-year deals, and he's already 29 years old. So I'm not going to be hypocritical and say I'm glad the Red Sox didn't give Xander Bogarts an 11-year deal and then turn around and say, well, I want Shohei Otani until he's 41. No, I, I don't think so. He's, look, he's a great athlete, but he's, that elbow is going to be a problem. Um, even if he is just a hitter, it's, it's still something, it's still there. You know, it's still lingering. Um, so, yeah, I just, I don't know. And the thing is, it's going to be interesting to see how he tackles the free agent market. Does he still go out there and insist that he wants to be a two way player? And, oh, you know, I'm going to need Tommy John, but I'll come back. And I'm still, you know, I still insist on being a two way player. I don't know if he has that leverage now. Because I think all the other MLB teams out there, even the Dodgers, even the Yankees, whoever wants to sign them, they're going to look at them and go, you're not a pitcher anymore. Sorry. We'll, we'll give you a lot of money. We'll give you a good deal. We'll give you 12 years, 350, whatever. But you're a left fielder now. Or you're a first baseman now. Or you're a DH. Whatever. You're not pitching. Because we're not going to give you a 12-year contract and then have you just blow out your elbow every two years. It's that That's not going to work for us. So I think the leverage has completely swung. It's done a 180, and the leverage now goes to the league. Otani is much less leverage going into free agency than he did before the injury. Um, This now actually puts the angels back on the table to possibly retain him. I mean, as crazy as that sounds, but they could, they could absolutely retain him now. I mean, it seemed like an automatic that he would, they would lose him, but he's just lost so much leverage and so much pull with this injury. It, it completely changes his free agency. So um, I don't know what he's going to do surgery-wise or not surgery-wise. Um, I don't know if he's going to still insist on being a two-way player or if he'll concede that for a worthwhile contract. I don't know. If the Dodgers come to him and say, hey, 12 years, $400 million, but you can't pitch, is he really going to turn that down for something lesser that lets him pitch? Or is he going to say, okay, fine, it's $400 million. I won't pitch anymore. That's going to be really interesting to see how teams tackle that.
2: Just a couple of hypotheticals. I, I don't think either of these are going to play out, but you know, it's, it's good to consider everything. What if he just takes a one year deal as a, as a bat? I mean, give me 40 million. I'll hit you however many bombs. I That's a possibility. And I'll remind you guys, he could have signed... I He might have had to wait one or two more years in Japan, but he could have signed a mega deal prior to coming over. But instead, he went the normal route where... You know, it was a six-year deal when he came over and he was going to get the major league minimum and then go through arbitration and all that. that. That's the path he chose. He could have made a lot more money if he simply waited another year or two. So he might look at it from an outside the box perspective. So he could be like, well, sign me to a year just as a DH, I'll hit you, you know, 40 bombs, drive in 110. And then I'll hit the, I'll hit the market next year with a rebuilt elbow and market myself as a two way player. Here's an even further outside the box scenario. What if he says to his agent says, all right, we still want four fifty to five hundred. I'm still gonna be you know, the the most productive bat in your lineup, but instead of being a starter, I'll be a lights out closer for you. What if what if he goes that route? So his agent will have will have some tactics and tricks up up his sleeve, but there's no question in my mind, he is gonna go into the negotiation saying, Yeah, I might need Tommy John, but I'm still a pitcher. In my mind, I'm still a pitcher, and I still want a record-breaking deal. And whether he gets it or not, that's just up to the up to the you know the market. But that's it. Either way, I'm standing pat. Hopefully, the I Red agree. Sox stay out of it. I don't. I don't want any part of it. Yeah,
0: I agree, Micah. Any other thoughts?
1: yeah just um two here um to go off of terry's point with the one-year deal i think my only question would be how healthy is he next year because we saw bryce harper go through the same thing and the power just hasn't been there i think he has 11 home runs or something like that because he's a a left-handed hitter but he throws right-handed and your power comes from that inside arm and if that's the arm that isn't fully fully healthy and and at its you know full strength maybe he can hit 40 home runs next year you know and i, I just i don't I, I i would be i i still think now is his best chance to get a deal based on his age he's 29 um i don't know that that went through my head the other thing that i was wondering was could we see a crazy clause in a deal um so look, think about the julio rodriguez contract he, he has a base salary, but if he ends up finishing MVPs, I mean, he can make crazy amount of money. And what if Shohei Otani signs a deal where a team says, okay, you can try to come back and pitch. If you come back and pitch and you reach 150 innings this year, you can make up to $60 million per in, in that year. Or it, it, you know, it's based on how many innings he throws. And if he wants to do it, he can really go for it. Um, if he's healthy, he can really go for it. But if his health, if maybe if he, you know, spends more than thirty days on the IL, he has to shut it down for the year. Like I just think there could be a crazy clause, and it could be a way for a team that probably wouldn't be in the mix for Shohei Otani if he had never gotten injured, who could get in the mix because they could offer him what he's looking for, which is being a two-way player. I don't know if the Dodgers are going to want to do it. I don't know if the Yankees would want to do it in terms of going up to paying for him to be a two-way player. I think they'd be interested in maybe paying him to be just a position player, but I think a team could sneak in there that we might not expect and say, you know what, I'll be willing to take the risk if you can throw this many innings this year or if you finish in the top three Cy Young or top 10 Cy Young. You can earn up to 60 million that year. Something crazy like that, I don't think could be I don't think would be off the table because I personally think he does want to be a two-way player still.
0: Yeah, I think an incentive laden deal is probably very likely for him because with the threat of surgery, with the threat of more missed time, um, I think that's how teams can court him. Kind of like, yeah, those incentives that you talked about, like escalators, right? Like, okay. We're going to sign you to a base salary that is lower than you wanted. But if you win 15 games or if you win 12 games and you strike out more than 150 batters, that'll kick in another 20 million, something like that. I think that's very likely. Um, And the other scenario that you laid out, Terry, of him starting out, coming back as a closer, I don't rule that out either. That that might actually be his smartest route too, instead of trying to go back to being a seven inning starter pitching 200 innings, come back as a dynamite closer. Those guys still make a lot of money anyway. Look at what Edwin Diaz just got. So he can still make a ton of money being a closer and just kind of go the Dennis Eckersley route, you know, become a closer, you know, in that stage of your career um, instead of trying to stretch it out as a starter. I think that's very likely. So there's a lot of different ways it can go. There's going to be a lot of machinations to whatever contract he ends up signing. Whether he goes back to L.A. or he goes somewhere else, um, those contracts are going to be filled with all sorts of language around that elbow and his health because he is a unique player. And when he's healthy, he's a unicorn, two-way player who can do it all. But just don't know if he's ever going to be fully healthy again because that elbow just doesn't seem to be able to hold up. So, um Needless to say, his free agency just got a lot more complicated and I think a lot more interesting for us as observers because I agree, like, Terry, I don't want the Red Sox in on him. I think steer clear of that. You've got a good sort of core here going forward. I don't want to get involved in that, but I do want to see the teams that are involved and what the numbers start to look like when that starts because I think it's going to be very interesting.
1: I think uh, the the ripple effect, though, for the offseason is going to be fascinating because the Dodgers basically reset their entire payroll so that they could go get Otani as a two-way player. And I think he was kind of expected to really be a front of the rotation arm for them. And if he's not, even if they go out and sign him and he's just a hitter, they still need a pitcher. The Dodgers rotation is is kind of decimated by injuries and they've, they're going to lose your uh, Walker Bueller, like who knows if he comes back. So I think if Red Sox fans really wanted that Yamamoto, the Japanese pitcher to come over, I just think his price just went through the roof because I think the Dodgers 100% will be super aggressive in those negotiations. Uh, the Mets with how they sold off those big contracts, definitely, could uh, impact that market as well. So I, there there's so many different ramifications to this injury and we don't know exactly how it's going to play out but the the Dodgers are the the I think the wild card this offseason because there's no question they're going to spend and they're going to be big spenders. Who they target is kind of to be de- to be determined but I think Otani was definitely going to be a Dodger. That would have been my bet. And now I don't know. And if they have all that money to spend, I just don't know if I see the Red Sox outbidding anybody that the Dodgers really, really want.
2: Three quick takes here. Uh, so Yoshinobu Yamamoto was seen on social media Uh, In the last day or two wearing a Red Sox shirt. I don't know if that's a bad signal or not. Hey, come talk to me. And we've had some success with some Japanese pitchers. You know, Dice K, you can say what you want. You got a World Series out of him. He hit a two-run single in that World Series, by the way, too, in Colorado. Um... And then, you know, obviously, Okajima, one of the better eighth inning guys we've had uh, this century. Uh, And, of course, Koji, probably the best closer we've had in a single season. So, yeah, we'll see. You know, he seems to be, um, I don't know, indicating a willingness to come here. Uh, Number two, I'm I'm a little disappointed. Like, I was going to enjoy the whole pursuit of Shohei a a, a healthy Shohei and just see how the market played out I was enjoying that even though I wasn't expecting us I thought man that's gonna be so fascinating to watch and everybody said this season that Shohei Otani is gonna break baseball but baseball broke him and in the end you know we're all human and there's no such thing as a unicorn.
0: Well, it's true. Yeah. Unicorns aren't real. <laughs> Fortunately. It's just regular horses and and all that. And, you know, they're subject to the same rules of nature that we all are. So yeah, I agree. It's it is disappointing overall. I mean, that's that's the biggest takeaway. It's just like that that was gonna be a blast to watch that that this offseason. Now it's it, you know, a little bit of the shine has been taken off of it. It's it's not gonna be as fascinating as we thought, but um, I think it'll still be somewhat interesting anyway, just to see how it plays out and where he ends up and what that final number ends up being now. But yeah, it's, it sucks. It just sucks that injuries happen and careers get shortened a little bit. And, you know, that's, that's the nature of the game, unfortunately. So we'll see how that all plays out, but we will wrap on that. Um, Keep an eye out for, The weekend crew, Monday morning, they will have you guys to recap the Dodgers series, those same Dodgers coming in this weekend. So keep an eye out for that, and we will talk to you guys later. Take care.